If you have your Bibles, we're going to open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, we're continuing a series uh, called The Body. We've just got a few weeks left in this series. Uh, for those of you who have not been with us, the body is a metaphor used uh, repetitively in Scripture uh, as, as a metaphor for the church. The church is the body of Christ. And uh, Jesus is the head, but the followers of Jesus, you and I, if you have put your faith in Jesus, that we are a part of the body of, of, of Christ. And um, the body is global. It's believers around the world who are, uh, who are followers of Jesus. It is communities of faith who are, are faithful to the word of God, faithful to the gospel, although there's different sizes and styles and passions that we all make up the body of Christ. And then the body of Christ is also the local congregation. In our context, it is Anchor Church, that we have one body, but many parts, lots of different people with different gifts and different passions and different stories and experiences, and everybody brings something different uh, to the table, but we are one body with many different parts and many different functions. Um, we, we believe one of our highest values here uh, at Anchor is the church. We believe that the church is the body of Christ, and, and the way that we say it is we gather and we go. We believe that the church is to be faithful to both. Things get a bit wonky when it's just one or the other. We believe that it is about the gathering. You can't see the New Testament church and not see the value of coming together, of encouraging each other, of ministering to the Lord, worshiping together, places of faith and encouragement, building you up, but to go be the church, to go be the salt and light of the world, that we are to not just gather together and enjoy this time once a week together. We are to go be the church in our communities. And so we believe the church is both the gathering and the going. Our theme verse for this series is Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 16. And it says, he, speaking to Jesus, if you look at the verse before, says he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. That when each part is doing its work, it doesn't just help itself grow. That when we engage in how God designed us, we're helping make everybody else in the body grow so that the whole body can be healthy and growing and full of love. It's our desire that we have a church that is healthy, a healthy community, growing and full of love and, and more like Jesus and becoming more and more mature. And uh, we've said this before, I'll say it one more time, um, that the size of a church can often be determined by the gifts of a few people being activated. But the health of a church only comes when the body is activated. And our heart, our passion, our desire is to be a healthy church. That we are a community that is healthy and growing and full of love. And regardless of what number that hits, the goal is not how many people can we get in a room on Sunday mornings. The goal is how can we build a community through the, the heart and the vision of Jesus to be healthy and to function as the body was intended. Uh, today we're going to continue on in this series by looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you do have your Bible, you can see the structure I'm about to refer to. We're going to look, start at verse 12 today, but if you have your Bible open, you can see this chapter is kind of broken into three parts. The first 11 verses are talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And then this middle section is uh, like Paul, the author, he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Then he like pauses to remind us that this is in the context of the body. The gifts in the body are like a synonymous conversation. As we talk about gifts, remember, this is in the context of a body. And then the last several verses of this chapter, if you look, um, goes back to the gifts. And then it goes on to the chapter of love and then how to use the gifts well in chapter 14. Uh, he continues to teach on it. But he takes this pause in the midst of the gifts of the Spirit to talk about, let me remind 
remind you that you are a part of a body. The way that we're going to approach this is today we're going to look at that reminder, that middle section uh, where it's talking about the body. And then next week we're going to look at the scriptures surrounding. We're going to look at the gifts, uh, but we're going to do it in the context, again, of the body. So here we go uh, in verse 12 of chapter 12. It says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Now, if you've been with us, the scripture uh, can seem a bit redundant. It's again saying, just as the body has many parts, so it is with the body of Christ. I want to highlight to you again that um, repetition uh, speaks to importance, that this is a common theme. And if it is a common, repeated theme, it is so important that whenever Paul is teaching, he's like, let me continually remind you that you don't belong to yourself. Let me continually remind you that what I'm speaking to is to be done in the context of community. He's so, uh, it's so important to him that he's repetitive about it. And then he makes this statement that has um, significant connotations, significant uh, implications when he says that uh, we're all on the same level. Let me make this clear, that some are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. He's saying, um, you guys have ways that you could say that you are different from each other. You could designate as those uh, of means and those without. You could look at racial classes. You could look at nationalities. This has implications all across the board of what he's saying. That uh, whether it's social, racial, economic, uh, nationalistic reasons. Like he's like, let me be clear that you are one body that have a lot of these distinctions, but you are under the same spirit. He levels the playing field. I think it's so important for us when it's easy, and even in today's day and age, finding different categories where we, we, we separate ourselves from each other. And Paul just comes in and says, as you were gonna talk about the gifts next week, he just teaches on, he's like, and let me be clear, there is not this distinction that you are gonna separate yourselves from yourself. You are one body under one spirit. Um, He's again speaking to the unity and diversity and the mutuality of the body. That's how we become together what we could never be alone. And because of God's vision for you and his vision for the church, we are a part of something bigger than ourselves and we do not belong to ourselves. He just continues to drive this home. We don't just belong to ourselves. We belong to each other. Let's look at verse 14. It says, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, which to me I read that, and I just, I just chuckle, think about where on the foot the mouth belongs. Like, what's talking here? Is it the heel? Is it the top of the foot? Is a toenail coming up? Like, I don't know. Sorry, that's weird. That's just weird. No, sorry. I, my mature mind right there. Um, I love this quote. Uh, one of my preacher's friends says, uh, the Bible isn't boring. You're boring. Uh, the Bible's not boring. Just dig into the fun stuff of the Bible. But if the foot starts talking and says, uh, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? Now, in this series, we've been battling uh, consistently some people's low opinions of themselves and low opinions of the ways that God has designed them or gifted them or comparison within the body. Uh, we've been battling the low opinion of self. I want to tell you, if you're here and you struggle with a low opinion of yourself and your value and your value to the body, um, I just want to say your low opinion does not change the truth of what God says. It says you are no less a part. Even if you feel like, even if you were the one that says, uh, hey, you know, because I'm not that, 
because I don't have that, because I can't do what they do, then I'm, I'm, I'm less than. I love that he speaks up and says, it doesn't matter if that's what you say. What I say is you are no less a part of the body. I just want to make this clear as I can that your gift sets may look different than somebody else's, but God is fitting the body together perfectly. He's got a vision beyond our individual gifts to the beauty of us coming together and being something together that we could never be alone. And you are not less than, that you are no less apart because your gift doesn't look like somebody else's. This highlights again the danger of comparison. You've heard the old saying that you can't judge a fish by its ability to fly. And this is so often what we do to ourselves. Like we judge ourselves based on what we don't have. We judge ourselves based on what somebody else is doing. I think there's just such beauty and such value when we come to the moment and say, this is how God designed me. This is how he gifted me. And no matter how it compares to somebody else, this was not a mistake. I think so often we can live our Christian lives in community being frustrated that I don't have what somebody else has. Or we can get to this place that we can truly trust that God is building his church perfectly and that I belong in that perfect building. The way he designed me. There's such beauty saying, okay, I recognize I'm not that, but what I am belongs, and it fits perfectly into what God is building. Now, you may be here today and be like, well, I don't know what my gift is. We've been referencing gifts often, and and again, next week, we're going to start digging into it a little more tangibly, but you might be like, I I don't know how I'm gifted. I don't know what I can offer. All I know is my deficiencies. I know that that I'm not as educated. I'm not as experienced. I got all this backstory that I bring to the table. I have all these reasons why I don't know how I can be a contributor, how I could be used to make the body healthier. I want to say, you might not know, And maybe we don't know either at this point, but I want to say we are not content sitting back and saying, oh, well, hope you discover it someday. I want to say we firmly believe what Scripture is saying, that God is fitting us together perfectly. And each one has a special gift that makes the whole body healthy. I don't think you're the one that God didn't realize he was fitting together. I don't think you're the one that God forgot to gift to make the whole body healthy. I believe, I don't know what it is, and you might not know what it is, but I believe God is bringing us together because there's something inside of you that makes us all greater. That there is a role for you to play in what God is doing in this community. So we are not content saying, oh well. I want to say we are practically working on some steps that can be taken for you to begin to discover the spiritual gifts that God has given you and how those can be at work within the gathering and in the going. I'll tell you really practically, there's a spiritual gift test that we're about to introduce to the church, and uh, we're going to ask you guys to engage with it and get some feedback on how God designed you specifically, ways that he's gifted you specifically, and then not leave it there. We're working on compiling then. You can learn how God designed you. What does it look like to use that gift in the gathering? What could it look like to use that gift in the going? We are working on this, and actually next week we intend to present the beginnings of it to you because we have a heart that our church, to be a healthy church isn't just come listen to some people who are gifted or come be in the room with a few people who are active. Our vision for a healthy church is that it would be normal. It would be the culture. It would be the custom that when you come and you're a part of Anchor, you matter enough that we discover your gifts. We discover who you are. We, we, 
we lean in and it's like, it is normal. No, we go through this process because you're bringing something to the table. Don't just come listen and observe and be entertained because that's going to wear out fast. But when you find purpose and you find calling, God, you gifted me this way and you brought me alongside of these people and these needs are present and you wired me to be the answer to this. When we come alive with who God designed you to be, I just, my vision for what God could do when the body functions the way he designed it, I just, I can't imagine what could happen in Missoula over the next years and decades through this church. I tell you, you matter. And you matter not because you're just sitting in a room. You matter because God is fitting us together perfectly. And it ought to be our ambition to discover what is it in you. Why would God bring you to be a part of this? Because there's a reason. There's purpose. And rather than just finding all the reasons why you don't think you bring anything to the table, man, we are so ready to lean in and say, no, no, no. We don't get to say you're less than. You're not a part of because, no, you are a part. You belong. Let's discover it together. I'm so excited for the future of, of this church and that God has brought you to be a part of it. Verse 17 says, if the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? Again, he's saying we, we need diversity. The goal isn't to all have the same gifting. We need diversity of gifts. You know, there may be some gifts that like we really want to have those, but if we all had the same, we would not be a healthy body. If we were all preachers, we would not be healthy. We'd have a lot of talking over each other, but we get nothing done. Like we just, we're talkers. We need some people that are not preachers. Like we, we need gifted people in so many different ways. Uh, we could highlight a lot of different ministries. I'm going to take a moment to highlight the value of Anchor Kids once again. Uh, we say this to, to Chrissy and our leadership team, that um, to a large degree, it doesn't really matter how well things are done in this room if things are done poorly over there. Like if a parent is coming in and dropping off their child and, and they don't know if it is safe they don't know if, if the people are, are prepared and trained and if, if certain needs are, are not aware of. It, it is difficult to drop a kid off and then come in here and pay attention if you think, I don't know if my kid's safe back there. It is really important that it's done well. And if a kid isn't taken care of well and isn't being invested in it and actually doesn't like coming here, if they're kicking and screaming all the way to church, like it's just, it doesn't go well. Like, what happens in here, we're going to do as best as we can, but it doesn't really matter how well it's done in here for the parents that need it to be done well back there. And so we're going to be a community that says, you know what, some things are more visible than others, but we need an entire community of people saying, this is, this is the way that God designed me, and we're going to have a mutuality of gifts. If this place isn't hospitable, if we're not kind and nice and smiling and getting to know each other's names, and like, if we're not a place that enjoys being around each other, it doesn't matter what the music's like. It doesn't matter. But if this is a place that is hospitable, a place that is thinking of the needs of others, and we show up to build up. We're not just here to consume, but like we care about what God is doing in the lives of other people. When we recognize we belong to each other, something amazing happens. We'll sit in really uncomfortable chairs and we'll come back next week and sit on them again because like God is up to something and I'm not just here for myself. Like we, we recognize the mutual gifts that are necessary to, to be a healthy body. We're going to be a healthy community. Verse 18 says, but our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. Man, let that speak to you. He has put each part just where he wants it. Maybe not where that body part wanted, but where he wanted it to be, that's where he put it. He says, uh, 
how strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. One part of the body doesn't get to tell the other part of the body, I don't need you. I think this addresses a, a human fear or a human insecurity. And uh, maybe some people deal with it at higher levels than others, but I feel like to a degree, all humanity is, has this level of, of fear of being discarded, of being replaceable. I think if we are honest, a lot of our, our biggest fears or a lot of our biggest wounds of our past, some of the, the greatest hurts that we're carrying around is from being used and then tossed aside. It really scars us when we've been dispensable in the past. Well, I was meaningful to you so long as I could feed your desire, feed your need. But as soon as I no longer made your agenda better, I no longer had value and I was tossed aside. This is a great fear that we have. And unfortunately, it's been experienced even within the walls of the church. Hey, you're, you're valuable so long as you help fuel my vision, my heart. And then as soon as you don't, you are replaceable. I would say this is um, not how the body's to operate. One part of the body doesn't get to say to the other, ah, don't need you anymore. You're not serving me well. You're replaceable. I want to tell you, we, we need you, and we need what you bring to the body. The one part doesn't get to make the call that someone else is dispensable. I just believe that if God is bringing someone into this community, into this body, our job is not to determine if they're valuable or not. Our job is then to say, hey, God brought you here, and he's fitting this together perfectly. It is our job to build up, to edify, to learn, to discover what, what gifting is inside of this person, to empower what God has, has seen inside of them to bring into the body. Now, I would also say that um, this isn't just a reckless free-for-all, that anybody can just come in and just run with whatever they want. I think the scripture is also incredibly clear on wisdom and on discernment, and caution, and safety, and doing what is healthiest for the body. It talks about being slow to place people in positions of leadership. Uh, there's also scripture that talks about if there is a part of the body that is destructive, and divisive, and damaging, that sometimes surgery needs to be done for that, that part of the body. But I think that the, the default is not, does this person, can this person serve us? I think the default needs to be, God brought someone here. They matter. He's, put, he's building this together perfectly. Our default is, man, what is it that God has inside of you that we lack, that we need, that he saw, he saw an area that the anchor really was deficient, and he brought you to be a part of it. We got to know you. You matter. You're loved. You're valued. We want to get to know what God sees in you that maybe we haven't discovered yet. This is the default, not to just discard people. Verse 22 says, uh, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest or, and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra care uh, are given to those parts that have less dignity. Some translations say indecent. Uh, these parts that have less dignity are indecent, should not be seen, less honorable. Uh, I refuse to be crude with this, but somebody's the private parts. I mean, it's just saying it. Like, the parts that should be seen, indecent, that should be covered, that are not those that are presented publicly. 
And uh, again, without being crass at all, the unseen parts of the body are vital for reproduction. It's the unseen parts of the body that are vital for reproduction. It may be other parts of the body that uh, are the, the, the attractive pieces, but nice flowing hair, straight white teeth, and a six-pack don't produce new life. You know, those might be attractive, but it's not what produces new life. It's not where reproduction comes from. I tell you, so it is with the body of Christ. That there may be certain gifts, certain parts of the body that seem to be more attractive. There's something about a stage that seems a lot more desirable than other parts. I want to tell you, that certainly, it may be preaching, it may be a kid's ministry, it may be a band, it may, whatever. There, should, there certainly is some gifts that seem to be much more attractive. I want to tell you that, that reproduction, discipleship, is so largely an unseen ministry. Like what actually produces sustaining life change is so much of the unseen work of the body. Now, it doesn't mean that the attractive pieces have no value. I certainly believe in the value of preaching and the value of, of having a team that can lead us into worship without distraction. Like there is great value to that. But I want to tell you that some of the most essential ministries of this church are largely unseen. And I would say the vast majority of the body and the functions of the body are not those attractive pieces, but they are, not only are they no less important, they are vital for sustaining life today and producing life in the future. I'll tell you that um, discipleship, evangelism, getting in relationships, it, 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 it is relational. It's what happens in your homes in groups. It's what happens at a coffee table. It's what happens uh, with a phone call. It's what happens with follow-up text messages. It's, it's when you invite people to dinner and you get involved in their lives and you're continually praying for them and you know what's going on specifically to them and there's someone that you can be open and honest with with what's going on in your life. Like this, this maturing, this, this development, this happens largely in unseen realms. I want to tell you, even some of those that serve in seen ways, so much ministry is done in the unseen and it's vital. For example, the, the band, the, the musicians, it's awesome, and sometimes it can be one of those more attractive pieces. I want to tell you that they, they lead us from stage for about 30 minutes a Sunday, but did you know they show up at 7 a.m., and they start rolling tarps and hauling gear and running cables, and they're some of the last people to leave, that they're here for about five hours on a Sunday, and it's like this 30 minutes that seems to be attractive. You know what's attractive? The willingness to serve the body for four and a half unseen hours. It's attractive. We could probably go ministry after ministry after ministry that's so unseen. I want to tell you one of the most beautiful, unseen, essential elements to, to our, our church is, is our prayer team. People that are praying, not just when you walk over there on Sundays uh, when we're together, but consistently praying for the needs of the body. Praying and being in tune with the heart of God and what he's doing, what he's building. Like So much power in prayer that we don't see, and maybe we'll never know the impact that prayer has had on our lives, the impact prayer has had on our church. It is this unseen, life-giving, life-producing activity that, that is so unseen, but God gifts people in these ways to be the unseen gifts to the church. I want to tell you, um, if your gift is behind the scenes or less seen, I want to tell you your gift is vital. The body needs what you have. You are so important. 
to this church. You're so important for the vision that God has for his body, the vision God has for this community, the vision God has for Anchor. It is so important. Verse 25 says, this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. This makes harmony among the members. We talked more about this last week, but harmony, the musical term, where there's two distinctly different sounds. And when they're in isolation, harmony is impossible. When these distinctly different sounds come and they're layered on top of each other, they don't like all of a sudden become the same sound. They don't change who they are to be the other one, but they stay distinctly themselves, but together make each other better. Like this is what the body is to be. It's not come be a part of this and everyone needs to start looking like, talking like, acting like exactly the same way. No, it's, it's the body coming together and saying, no, I'm going to stay exactly how God gifted me and called me and designed me. And you're going to stay exactly the way that God designed you. But we're going to come together and not be at odds with each other, trying to get the gift that you have. And we're going to say, I'm going to come in a way. How can I make your gift sound better? How can you make my gift sound better? We're not going to change. We're not going to try to be each other. We're going to say God gifted us differently and we're going to be in harmony one with another. And then the second half of this verse says um, that so that all the members care for each other. Oh man, this is so significant and so in line with so much we've talked about in this series. That the members, who the members of the body are to care for is each other. Meaning the primary care of the members is not for themselves. That we don't do this church thing. We don't do this going and, and being a part of this community simply for what it does for me. We recognize that we are part of something bigger than ourselves. And why we do what we do, it's because we're caring for the others. We're caring for other parts of the body. Uh, maybe a simple illustration for it would be like if, let's say the physical body, the, the foot gets injured. The foot steps on a piece of glass. It's injured. It's, it's, it's not a good scene. Um, the foot's not going to fix itself. Like, it needs the other parts of the body to engage. It's like, hey, we, we, need, we need so many other parts to begin engaging in what it means to bring healing to the hurting part of the body. It needs the hands to do what the hands can do. It needs the eyes. It needs the nerves. It needs so many parts of the body to do what they do so that the hurting part can find restoration. There, there's no part of the body that's going to look at the foot and be like, you stepped in it yourself. Like, you figure it out. It's on you to fix yourself. The foot's not going to do it. It needs the body. And I think while we're at it, I think uh, let's pretend like the other foot saw the danger, avoided it itself, but didn't speak up to tell the other foot, hey, you shouldn't step there because it's going to be dangerous. What if the eye saw it and was like, well, let's see what happens here. And just let's, it doesn't work that way. This is why we talked about it recently too. Like, to be the body, we're not passive on sin with each other. I think we just want to be this like really warm, let's just talk about the positive. You know, what the body does when it sees danger is it does what the body is supposed to do. Say, hey, don't, no, don't go there. That's not going to be healthy. That's not good. And we're not going to let you stumble into what is going to damage you. And then when that part of the body is injured, it affects the rest of the body. And so we're just rotating around who's hurt and who's injured because we're, we're, we're too cautious about speaking genuinely into, a peop, into each other's lives. I want to tell you what the body does and when the body functions best is it works together. It says, I don't care if it really uh, is uncomfortable for you to tell you the direction you're going is going to be unhealthy for you. It's going to be hurtful. It's going to be harmful. And it's going to affect the rest of us. And so I'm going to speak up and say, don't go there. Not because I, I, I'm some, you know, self-righteous person. No, I care about you and I care about the body. Like we, we talk about this. And then when there is injury, we step in and the parts of the body begin to care one for another. The body cares for the other parts. I want to tell you... Um, 
I think there's room for the conversation of self-care, kind of a buzzword right now, of the importance of self-care. And certainly, don't hear me wrong, there is great value in making sure that you are healthy and taking steps with your physical health, with your mental health, your financial health, your relational health. I'm not overlooking the importance of, of health in all the components. But I'd like to propose that as much as we're talking about self-care, I think that God provided the ultimate solution for healing for you, and it's not isolated self-care. It's found in the body. It's when there are members that care for each other, that when you're the injured foot, you don't try to go find a way to fix it yourself. That's not the way the body was designed. That the greatest avenue for care, for self-care, is within the body. And there's some deception of the devil that says, hey, when you're hurting, when you have need, you keep it to yourself or you get distant from the church and you, you go for, I just want to say, don't get distant from the very substance that can bring health and strength. It's the body. I think too often we hear statements like, I just, I need a break from this. I need some space. I need to get alone and figure this out. I need, like we hear statements like this. And again, I don't want to overlook the importance of, of figuring it out, of getting healthy. But I just see the way that God designed the church. Is it, it's in those moments that we should be leaning into the body more than ever. Like The body was never expected to have a moment of pain, a moment of injury, and keep that to themselves. The whole nervous system is to sound the alarm that we need all attention right here where the hurting is taking place. It's how the body's designed. Where do we get deceived to the point of like, well, I'm just going to be a burden. I don't, I don't, I'm a little uncomfortable. I don't want to, I don't want to open up to people like, the body is to be designed that when there is a part of the body that is hurt, the alarms get set off and everyone comes rushing towards and not out of judgment, out of saying like, no, we, we care for you. You are part of this body and we desire to see you healthy. We desire to see you restored. I truly believe the best self-care is found within the church because the church is the body of Christ. We're the hands and feet of Jesus, that he is the head. And as we serve the body, we're serving the head. Like we're, we're not separated from it. Like we are, this is how we follow Jesus is we care for the body. It is where we find the healing that we, so many of us often need. And in verse 26, it says, if one part suffers, all parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. This is so similar to language we, we've already discussed, that you rejoice with those who rejoice and you weep with those who weep. Paul's saying it again. He's using some other words. He's saying, like, when someone is suffering, that suffering isn't isolated to one body part. It affects all of us. And so we lean in, and we weep with those who weep. We suffer when others are suffering. And when someone is honored, when there is something to rejoice in and to celebrate, we do this together. I, uh, we're doing the best that we can with this space on Sunday morning, being an opportunity for you to engage in such ways. Uh, to be honest, though, this isn't the best setting on a Sunday morning um, for this to happen well, to be able to know what's going on in each other's lives, to rejoice and to, 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 to cry with those who, who are crying. Um, so much of this time is occupied by ministering to the Lord and hearing from the word that it doesn't offer a, t a ton of space for that. 
But I do want to tell you, we're doing whatever we can to offer those opportunities. For one, showing up a few minutes early and having a conversation and praying with somebody. And not just like catching up on the week, but like what's really going on in your life? How do we build these relationships? Encouraging people to take steps after church. What's it like to get each other's phone numbers or to, to go out to lunch or have coffee? But I think one of the most significant ways we're trying to remedy this is, is this prayer and praise section. I want to tell you that if we are going to be a people that's uh, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, like this is maybe the most tangible way we do it in our gathering. That if there's something going on in your life, if God is moving and God is, is providing and there's something to, to celebrate, we are not supposed to do that in isolation. Now, this can feel a little bit weird. Like, I'm not going to just go over there and just brag on myself for getting the, the promotion this week. We're not bragging on ourselves. We're bragging on what God is doing. We're bragging on his answered prayers. We're bragging on the, the, his provision. We're bragging on his healing. Like, we are bragging on God. We're not supposed to do that in isolation. When something is honored, when something is worth celebrating, we are supposed to do it together. And I am convinced in a room this size with this many people in it, God is up to something in your lives. There is something to celebrate that God is doing. And one of the, the, the things that we do is make it available. But if we are functioning as the body, I actually believe it is your responsibility to take a step towards sharing that with somebody. We want to celebrate with you. If God is doing something in your life, you are not supposed to keep it to yourself and be like, oh, I, don't want to, I don't want to bring attention to myself. No, we're bringing attention to God. You're supposed to share it. And certainly in a room this size with this many people, there are tangible needs in your life. And I, this prayer team over here, they should have lines waiting for them every single Sunday. Because we're the body, and we don't hurt in isolation. We, we bring it to the body. And I know we talked about this more extensively last week, but you are not a burden. You are our body. And there is some level of responsibility that we have a way to care for you, but there is some sort of a responsibility for the injured part to say, hey, I'm hurting. I need attention over here. And it is not a burden. We want you healthy. We want you strong. You matter. You're a valuable part of this body. Help us know so we can love you. We actually have a church that loves to help even meet tangible needs in this community. I love that when a need arises, people are making food for each other. People are, are, are giving money to each other. People are giving rides to each other. People are sending text messages about how did the, how did the, uh, how did the doctor's appointment for your dad go? Like There is love and care happening for each other, but there's got to be a lot more needs we don't even know because we feel like I'm, I'm going to be a burden. I don't know what I should do about this. I want to tell you, speak up. Not because, you, because you're our body. We want to know. We want to love. We want to care. We want this to be a place of health. And uh, as much as we try to do this on Sundays, um, so much of this type of love and relationship and getting to know each other happens outside of Sundays. I'll tell you again, I'm so proud of, of those of you who are engaging in groups. The percentage of people in this community that are in a group is astonishing because this is where it's going to happen. This is where health is going to happen. I want to say beyond being in a group, it just makes me so happy when I see people exchanging phone numbers, when I hear stories of people coming over for dinner, going out to lunch. I walked into a coffee shop uh, uh, last week. I had a meeting there, and I walk in, and there's two young ladies from our church sitting at a table. And I just walk over and say, hello, hey, what's going on? How are you guys? Uh, what are you guys up to? And, and they just share with us, like, hey, just Sunday at church. Uh, one young lady went up to the other young lady and was like, hey, you look like someone I should hang out with, uh, introduces herself. And three days later, they're at a coffee shop. I was like, so this is the first time you guys have ever done this? Like, oh, yeah. And they were there for like three and a half hours getting to know each other. I want to tell you, that is incredible. 
That is unseen relationship and discipleship that is a mark of a healthy church. And as much as it's nice to hear on the way out, hey, that was a good sermon, uh, that, that feels good. What's better is stumbling across the body being the body. Like that's what makes a pastor just so excited, so happy. Like these are marks of health. I want to tell you these moments that are, are happening in the church, this is, this is what we are called to do and who we are called to be. Let's not just be a church of the gathering. Let's let the gathering fuel our going. I, uh, I love that we celebrate and we honor those who are being honored. I think that this can sometimes be a challenge. Um, but we're, we're family. We talked about we're adopted as brothers and sisters. We're a family together. And uh, wouldn't it be odd if family cheered against family or didn't celebrate when family did well? You know, I mean, you've probably got examples in your own life, but uh, when my wife, like, goes and does her pop-up cake stands and, and her and her partner, Whitney, are, are selling cupcakes, like, I don't hope anything besides they sell out. Like, I want them to be successful. I didn't make a single cupcake. I didn't, I didn't do any of this, but there's, like, I want them to be successful because you just, you, you cheer for your family. When my kids get a report card, I'm not hoping there's, like, some bad grades in there just because it makes me feel, no, I cheer for them. Like when they're performing and there's a sport or like, I want them to do well. And is there not a part of you that when your family does well, you feel a little bit of ownership yourself? Okay, I had something to do with that, you know. No, I didn't sing the song. I didn't take the test. I didn't score the goal. I didn't bake the cakes. But there's something in me that's like, well, I had something to do with that. Like I, I supported them. I encouraged them. I drove them to the game. Like there's something is like I had something. And to be honest, I did. I had something to do with it, like, because we're, we're family. We might not be able to label all things, but for years we've done this together, and we've supported each other's visions and dreams and, and passions. And this is what the church is supposed to be. If it is difficult to celebrate someone else's success, we have some work to do as the body. We have some work to be a family. Like, where, where do we go, is like, hoping that someone else in the community of faith, someone else in Anchor isn't as successful as, as we are. No, we, we cheer it on. We honor, we celebrate, and we celebrate with those who God has, has provided an answer to prayer. Like, we, we don't just ask the questions, well, why not me? We, we celebrate with those who did. And to be honest, we all had something to do with it if we were a part of the body. We were there, and we encouraged, and we celebrated, and we gave, and we, we, we prayed for, and like, we, we, we did this together. And so we can celebrate when each other I have something to celebrate. I'm going to ask the band if you'll join me. I think uh, we need to have a willingness to some degree of, uh, of receiving honor without crossing the line of, of seeking it out or feeling entitled to. If we're going to be a body that um, when one part is honored, all the parts celebrate, that means that someone has to receive honor. Someone has to be celebrated, recognized. And when they are, we celebrate with them. And this can sometimes be hard because, uh, man, why isn't the thing that I do honored? Am I unnoticed? But can we celebrate? But I think this can present another concern of the body being a place for my own personal advancement, my own personal recognition. Hey, let's get ourselves in a place of honor so that I can receive that honor. There's a fine line of receiving honor and being entitled to honor. I think sometimes in the church we can find ourselves in a trap of seeking recognition. As we wrap up, I just want to challenge this thought that I think is not everybody, but prevalent oftentimes in the church. 
this seeking of recognition. Like, I'll be here if I'm recognized. If I'm celebrated, if I'm appreciated, if I'm honored, like I'm here to get a position, I'm here for advancement. It's gonna be really dangerous. And I hope we are a place that honors. In fact, in every one of our ministry departments, we have in our budgets appreciation. Like we hope to be people that are always thanking, appreciating, recognizing. We want it to be in our culture. But if our engagement is dependent on receiving honor and appreciation, we also find ourselves in a dangerous place. I love that um, regardless of our gift, regardless of the ministries we're engaged in, when we get to the end of our story, when we get to eternity and we're standing before our Lord, the statement he's going to make to us, put our faith in him, the followers of Jesus, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And that statement, that label of servant, you know who it's going to go to? It's going to go to all of us. We had different gifts on this earth. But when I get there, he's not going to say, well done, good and faithful preacher. Well done, good and faithful lead pastor. And he's not going to say, well done, good and faithful worship leader. Well done, good and faithful AV team member. He's not going to say any of that. What he's going to say is faithful servant. Like this is the recognition. That as much as we hope to give it to each other on earth, this is the recognition that matters. When he says, you were faithful to serve. And you were faithful to serve, not based on the gifts I gave somebody else, but you're faithful with what I gave you. There's examples of Jesus and the parable of the talents, and like, he's not asking us to be faithful with what he gave someone else. He's not comparing us with somebody else. He's saying, what I gave you, were you a faithful servant with that? I'll tell you, this is the recognition that we all ought to be longing for. It's not, did I get noticed? Did I get a shout out from stage? Did I get a thank you card? Did I get a position where I get a vote at the church? Like, we're, we're, those aren't the things that we're after. It's that one day where he's gonna call us what we're truly called to be, servants, with what he's given us. I think too often in the church, we're jockeying for position, recognition, we're offended if we don't get it. That's not what we're after. I don't know it relates to other areas of ministry, but unfortunately I see it so often in preachers. Like we're, we're not supposed to do this to get offers to speak at a conference or to get a bigger church. Like we're, so are we faithful to the people that God has brought right in front of us? Human beings, sons and daughters, this community. I want you to know the people that get a hold of the microphone are not going to have a different message from Jesus as those who are so unseen servants. We're going to have the same message. Were you faithful? My challenge to you is as we begin to discover, and some of you maybe know, but we're going to continue to discover how God gifted you, that our goal as a healthy church and followers of Jesus is that he can say you are a faithful servant with what I gave you. We're gonna stop comparing ourselves to was I faithful? Did I have the impact somebody else had? Did I have the influence they had? Did I get recognized the way that they did? Did I get a job at the church the way they did? It's not that, it's were you faithful? If you're willing and able, would you stand with me?
We're going to pray in just a moment, but a couple last statements I want to make is uh, ending with the beauty of Jesus, the beauty of the gospel, that the most presentable part of the body, the head, Jesus, was willing to be dishonored so that the least parts, you and I, could receive honor. That today, even if you've determined that you're dispensable, Jesus has already demonstrated that you're not. He's already demonstrated the value that he sees in you. He gave his life so that you could be made whole, so you could receive his grace, and so that you could now be an instrument of his righteousness. You could now be a part of what he is building. Maybe you're here today and you wouldn't consider yourself a believer, you're not a follower of Jesus, but you found your way here right now. I want to tell you the beauty of the gospel, that Jesus took the punishment that you and I deserve so that we could have the life that only he earned. This is a gift that he's offered us. I want to tell you that gift, that gospel, that grace, it is for you. And he already paid the price. Before you did all the things that, think, that make you feel like you're not worthy, he, he knew it and he paid the price already there's forgiveness for you and there's purpose for your days ahead and when you put faith in Jesus you belong to the body he's fitting us together perfectly and I don't know what the story is and what your past story has been and what it's going to be but you belong I want to say to the believer here today you do consider yourself a follower of Jesus I want to tell you we follow the example of Jesus that we are willing to lay down our own desires, our own pride, so that others can be honored, so that others can experience the hope and the grace of Jesus. That we don't view anyone as dispensable. We say we're going to lean into why God has gifted and called you to be a part of this. We follow the example of Jesus. I'm going to pray, and the band's going to lead us in one last song before we dismiss. I want to tell you again, the prayer team, they're already ready. They're over there. They're, they're excited to pray for you. If there's something we can celebrate, if there's a, an area that we can pray for, like let the body be the body. I know it may be a step of courage, but let's do it. Father, we love you. We worship you. Lord, we thank you that some today are experiencing your grace for the first time or the first time in a long time. And today is the day where they say yes to you, that you are the hope that they're looking for. Gotta thank you that some, we not only get to be recipients of your gospel, but then you allow us to be a part of what you're doing that you've gifted us to be a part of the church. Lord, we just ask for your forgiveness for times that we have viewed others as dispensable. God, for the hurt that even the church has inflicted because the vision wasn't healthy in alignment with your, your heart. God, we repent. Lord, we know our imperfections. We know that um, there's room to grow, so much room to grow. But Lord, I just pray that Anchor Church would be a place of health, a place where individuals matter, a place where people don't just get lost in a room, but like the individuals matter and we get to discover the gifts and, and begin to empower the body that you are building. Father, let us be of those that um, celebrate together and mourn together, that we don't do these in isolation, that if one part of the body is hurting, they're willing to sound the alarm and that the body would move in and bring health and wholeness and healing. 
And God, thank you that we can only do this because it's, it's your power flowing through us. It's your heart. It's your vision that we submit to Jesus. We submit to the head, and we're willing to be who you've called us to be. Father, we love you, and we worship you.